Welcome to the Sound of Movement podcast. Today we're talking about program design, specifically for training for calisthenics and other skills when you have an injury. This is something that I have learned so much about in the last few years from having the pleasure of working closely with two exceptional physios. Stick around. What's up everyone, it's time to rock. If you're new to the tribe, Rich is behind the mix. Phil is across the table from me. My name is Rad Burmeister. We are Unity Gym, experts at turning driven people into athletes. This episode is brought to you by the Unify Movement System, the only online program effectively balancing strength, flexibility, and fitness so you can unleash your inner athlete. You can get daily coaching by us, plus our epic foundations prep program and revolutionary structural blueprint to create your ideal program and optimize your performance. As a valued listener, you can use the link in the description to get your first month free. Also, I'm very excited to announce that right now we have an epic 72-hour flash sale on. It's for our masterclasses. You can get the handstand masterclass, press to handstand, the gymnastics rings masterclass, the pull-up masterclass, the flexibility masterclass. We've got a whole bunch of amazing programs that are designed to nail specific skills and movement goals. You can grab it right now if you go to that UMS Movement Mastermind on Facebook and click the link. The uh, offer for that ends in about 48 hours. Now, before we get started, warm welcome if you're on the live stream in the UMS Movement Mastermind Facebook group. Leave a comment and we'll send you some love. Remember that anyone can join and interact. And lastly, a shout out to our YouTube athletes catching the replay. Hit the like button to support the channel and subscribe if you like what you see. Okay, joining us today is Phil White from ADPT Physio. How are you, bro? Very well. Very well. I've really enjoyed these topics this week. So Yeah, they're good um, ones, hey? There's a a lot that you can add to them. Yeah, and and now especially we're talking about injuries. I'm excited. So um, if you are watching live, do make sure you get any questions in you have specifically because it's always good to use cases of um, people who are watching. So Mm, let us know about your experience of um, training for calisthenics or other skills when and has an injury uh, put you off your off your training or have you stuck mm. with it yeah yeah for sure yeah look we wanted because we've been talking about program design today and the, and the reason why i wanted to talk about this one is because this is something that i've got a lot of personal experience with i um you know i decided that i was going to learn how to do calisthenics about five years ago and my journey uncovered a whole bunch of issues in my body that had really like their their underlying issues that I've had for 20 years from injuries that I did 20 years ago that I had to reflect back on and go, oh, wow, that's this must be related to that. I never did anything about it. And um, and I really had no idea how to deal with it. And it was from working closely with you and Nilesh and creating these programs that we have now that has allowed me to understand the process. And if I, and if I just pre-frame this a little bit, my idea, like the first injury that I remember getting with calisthenics was I, I, I had a wrist injury on my right wrist and uh, it got so bad when I was doing handstands that I couldn't do handstands at all for about six months. And I eventually went and saw Leroy. This is when you were still studying. Um, so I couldn't see you, Phil, as a physio and you were, you were very busy back then. But Leroy is a, a friend of ours um, who's an exceptional physiotherapist. He's actually the connection that got Phil and Nilesh together and he was one of Phil's... Um, Mentors, would you call him? Is it? Yeah, he was one of my physios when I was a patient. And then yep. I just thought, oh, I yep. want to learn from <laughs> this, this guy. Yeah. <laughs> He's an amazing guy. When I went and saw him, what he, he looked at my handstand and he looked at things were going on and he said, wow, you're, what's happening is you're favoring the right side so much. You're putting all the weight in the right side that the right wrist is just getting overloaded. That's the, what the problem is. And, and this led me to, you know, understanding this injury that I've had in my left shoulder. But the idea is that 
what I did incorrectly was originally was, okay, I'm just going to rest this until the pain goes away. And of course, the pain goes away, the inflammation goes down, you feel good, then you go back and it just comes back again. And what I understand now about it was that I needed to, um, I needed to modify the micro loading. So in this case, I needed to strengthen all of the, the left side of my body and learn how to shift the weight so that it was evenly distributed with, um, with both hands. And that's a strategy that's helped me with many, many other injuries. Um, forearm tendinopathy, which we'll talk about, um, you know, tears in my, uh, in my adductors and hamstrings, uh, rolled ankles, um, slap tears in my shoulders, like so many injuries. And, uh, you know, that's what we wanted to talk about today. So, Phil, do you want to talk a little bit about what microloading is and, and, and what I was referring to there by that? Yeah, to clear up some jargon we're just throwing out there. But if you have listened to the podcast before, you'll know all about yeah. it. Uh, but the idea of microloading is when you think about what's putting um, a stress through a tissue, we look at either macroloading or microloading. So macroloading is going to be basically all the programming side of things so how many sets reps um the total amount of weight or um, leverage sort of loading on the area the amount of rest you have all of those things so there's big picture um how much you're putting on that particular movement but then microloading is the idea that basically with different um techniques or different positions that you complete that exercise you'll load different structures um differently so uh the example we often use is um with this is like you might program a pull-up but depending on which way you have your hands so whether it's supinated grip neutral grip or um uh pronated grip that will be a very different effect on the kind of combination of muscles you'll use between your elbows your shoulders um to pull you up and then also within the pull up itself it might not even be that difference of grip but also how you're um, executing the technique with keeping your shoulder um, the axioscapular muscles so your shoulder blades um, back and down will impact how much you're using your shoulders versus your muscles of your elbows um, and using I guess the technique of the whole body hold will um, minimize the amount of energy leak you get through the system so it's this idea of like all these different technique cues are there for a reason to um, I guess, either maximize the efficiency of the movement or to change slightly how you're loading structures. Yeah. Or not slightly, sometimes in a large way. Yeah. And that's a way that you can complete the same exercise that's in your program, but um, tweak it slightly to be able to keep training while managing your injury. Mm-hmm. So another injury that I got, and I'm pretty sure this was the next one after my wrist, was that I developed forearm tendinopathy or golfer's elbow. It was on the medial side, which is like the... Um, the symptoms that you may be able to relate to if you've had this yourself is that on the inside Seems to be of most my of our audience. Sorry? <laughs> Seems to be most of the yeah. audience. On the inside of your forearms and especially right up near the elbow um, joint there, like it's almost like when you touch up near the bone, is just agonizing when you grip something and try and pull with it. Uh, and so I developed that and I did everything wrong in the sense that when I started to feel the pain come on, I just pushed through it. I didn't change the load. I didn't change micro loading. I didn't, um, you know, make any modifications. I just said, I'm just going to keep going. And I got it to a point where it was so bad that I just couldn't do the things that I was doing. And then I just completely stopped. And then after working with you and understanding the strategy, after I'd rehabilitated that, I was lucky enough to get tennis elbow about six or 12 months after that, which is forearm tendinopathy on the lateral side, on the outside of your arms. But I... 
was much more aware of what I needed to do. And so when I went to you and you asked me, how did, how did it come on? When did you first notice it? And I said, I was doing a neutral grip bicep curl on a 45 degree bench. And it just got to a point where it was agonizing. And you said, try doing a supinated grip and see how that works. And I did, and it uh, was fine. I could do supinated grip bicep curls. If, the, if I went to a neutral grip or a pronated grip, it was just agonizing. And you explained the way that the muscles are used um, and how it affects lateral uh, forearm tendinopathy. And with that change in microloading, meaning basically the change of hand position, I was able to train around it. And then also adding one or two other things in there, um, you know, to help with the rehab process. So it's a very, very powerful thing, isn't it? If you, if you compare that to the idea of, oh, I'm just going to stop, wait till the pain goes and then try again. And then you just keep going on that hamster wheel of... Yeah, which particularly for tendinopathy, if you've listened to us talk about tendinopathy before, you'll know that's the probably the worst thing worst you can thing do. You can do yeah. <laughs> um, but as, as a general, like larger picture looking at injuries, it is just so common. And I think it's been sort of, you know, how a lot of conventional medicine and physio has gone in the past of, um, you know, really stopping what you're doing and then probably underloading the structures of your body in the um, once you've been injured. And that underloading, um, yeah, basically is really detrimental to your progression, obviously, but also it's just detrimental to your exercise practice and becomes really depressing and you just don't, you can just totally fall out of a, out of love with, with, you know, going to the gym or doing whatever sport you like, because it's just, uh, so frustrating. And then often the kind of cycle that will happen is you'll, um, you know, get a bit bored with it and then you'll just push yourself harder and then hurt yourself again. It's this vicious cycle. So the approach that we use at ADPT and what we really have tried to instill on this podcast over the 300 plus episodes we've done now is that idea of like rehab is not getting putting in the naughty corner, doing, you know, activation exercises and doing something totally that doesn't even resemble your regular training. It's training in the presence of injury, but understanding what you need to, to do, what you need to just change out slightly to be able to still work towards your goals. And that's true in strength and flexibility, but it's so important when it comes to skill development, because if you... Um, as we talked about the, uh, yesterday with, with skill development, like it's all about frequency. And if you take a whole bunch of time off and you're unable to practice your skill, you just go so far backwards. So. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I mean, it, this is really, it's really critical to, to your success because if you train for calisthenic skills, in my opinion, injuries are a probability, not a possibility. They're something that you are going to encounter. It, if, you, if you push your body to that upper limit of, of its capacity, eventually you're going to do something. You're going to you know, tweak something or... Yeah, we've talked about how calisthenics can be particularly challenging with getting the load right because of the, with a, you know, with the uh, weight lift. So with a barbell or dumbbell or kettlebell, you can go up by incremental kilos, but with with body weight, like you're working with leverage, which can just really suddenly really blow out like the amount of load you're putting through. So yeah, it's really challenging. And so this this understanding this stuff is is really really important to do. And if you look at you know you might be thinking to yourself when you hear all this stuff, well, how can I use that information? So I'm going to tell you guys my understanding of how to deal with like like we're talking about just like muscle spasms tweaks things that are that you might not think okay i need to go to a physio for but it also is preventing me from being able to train i'm going to tell you my understanding of it and then we'll see what phil thinks of it because my understanding of it so much has been shaped by talking to phil and having him as a friend and a colleague that i work with and that would be like so you know let's say you're uh 
you know, you're working on your flexibility goals. This is something that a lot of people relate to and they end up, you know, um, describing that they've pulled a muscle or, um, you know, whatever the the correct terminology would be. That's usually what people say, I pulled a muscle. Um, what do I do? What do I do from here? Now, the old me would have rested and just avoided that movement and gone on with everything else. Whereas the new me, uh, with my current understanding, would be I would let it settle down for a couple of days. I wouldn't push it too hard for a couple of days, but I would still move. I would still do some kind of mobility on it. And as long as it didn't feel really bad in a couple of days, if it felt like it had improved slightly, then I would do some loaded uh, mobility work, loaded stretching. So I'm, I'm actively using the muscles. I'm not just pulling them out into their, f- like basically just stretching them out. Um, and I would do that at a reduced intensity. So I would do it somewhere where I experience the discomfort where I go, okay, yeah, I can feel that that's the muscle that I've, um, you know, pulled or whatever it is, but this isn't making it worse. And when I finish this workout, it doesn't feel like it's gotten worse. And then each day, each workout, I would hopefully increase the intensity or the load that I can put on it. How does that sound, Phil? Yeah, I like it. And, and this is... Something that's, you know, obviously when I started doing all this, this study and, um, you know, I had one idea of what kind of old school physio was like, but the thing that really opened my eyes uh, to just how, like, m- much, how just how important it is to not go, totally go backwards while you're injured was working with a physio when I tore my hammy. Um, so, pulled a hammy or tore a hammy. <laughs> I got, I'd done a, you know, a, a decent sort of job of it. And this is when I was training for ultimate frisbee, playing sort of national level um, stuff. And I I saw this physio, and it was like probably day two or three post injury. And this was someone who Leroy recommended me to see Merrin um, Merrin Aldridge is the name, and because um, he was he was too busy. But he, she basically got me doing going down to the park and doing like almost like a sprint session, except we were doing lateral um, shuffle movement. So basically like um, just, you know, you kind of side to side and going as fast as possible, which, you know, when, you, when you've when you just told your hammy, you kind of think like, oh, that's me done for being uh, out on the, brutal. out on yeah. the, um, you know, on the on the pitch and that that's going to be really slow controlled movement. But she's like, well, the thing that tears your hammy is, is deceleration and, and lengthening under tension. But um, what we want to do is make sure that when you're ready to go for your tournament, that you're still moving fast, your, st- your hips are still conditioned, um, you know, your calves, all those muscles are, um, you've still got a level of fitness and you've still got that, um, yeah, conditioning and, and speed. And we don't want to lose that element of speed because for my skill of, of, you know, having to sprint around playing Frisbee, like if I didn't have that speed, then I'd like, if I didn't train for that speed, then I'd likely injure myself when I tried to get back to it. So her rehab approach was basically like from day dot, I was, you know, out there doing like fast sessions on the side to side. And, um, it was just so like exciting and kind of liberating. Cause I was like, Oh, I thought I was just going to be have to, have to like, you know, line my back doing, um, you know, double leg glute bridges for, <laughs> you know, weeks. And so this idea of like really understanding the, like what the movement is or what the contraction type is or, um, that aggravates your injury and thinking, okay, like I can't do that specific variable, it, be it range of motion, be it like intensity of um, weight, but there's so many other elements that I can um, that I can do. So it's, and that's where the, the real skill of, of understanding how you, you keep training while injured is, really comes into it. So do like, remember this isn't medical advice, you haven't done a consultation with me, so please, yep. you know, yep. don't <laughs> go out there and, and, yep. and um, you know, start doing 
if you've got a serious hamstring tear, don't go uh, yeah. lateral bounding just for yeah. um, without having it assessed. But this idea of, of understanding which variables do cause um, you know the injury to be flared up and which ones don't is just so key for being able to continue your training and continue working on all of those elements you need to execute your skill, but just bring it back a little bit on the things that hurt. I mean, one of the things that I did when I developed uh, tendinopathy um, the medial tendinopathy and I, I really couldn't do my pull-ups um, was that for a while I worked on uh, single arm scapular pull-ins so I was still doing something that involved gripping and pulling and I was still strengthening what is generally quite a weak part of the kinetic chain that is involved in the pull-up which is that scapular control that that depression and uh, retraction and so when I came out of that injury as I started coming out and started being able to do pull-ups I certainly hadn't lost ability with it it was um you know I was able to do something that really stepped uh, you know kept driving me towards my goal yeah. of the one arm pull-up and that's just like the perfect example of the right way to do it because if you think about um something like that movement you just described you're gripping hard so you're using the muscles in your forearm at, at to grip, but you're not putting them into a stretch load, which is then going to cause compression of the actual tendinopathy itself, which we know that compression and, and stretch is often one of the things that's most aggravating for tendinopathy. So you're, you're, in the, you're, you're putting some load through the muscle, but in a non-aggravating sort of way, and then you're working on the rest of the system, you're working on that kinetic chain. And when we talked about pull-ups before, we were saying you know, it's often that inability to properly retract and depress and hold those axioscapular muscles um, in a strong way that then causes you to use more load through your elbow flexes mm-hmm. than your um, than your shoulder extensors. And so mm-hmm. it's just a perfect example of how you're still conditioning that system and you're working on the weak links and you're doing something that still feels like training, but um, you know, you're just giving a bit of room for your... Um, yeah and the right stimulus for your injury to sort itself out. So, yeah, yeah, perfect example. Man, did it pay off for me, you know. And I mean, you know, another example, um, we we get asked, people in the gym ask me, why do we have parallettes here in the gym? Um, And there are some exercises that you do specifically on parallettes, like, for example, a deficit handstand push-up where, you know, you, you need the head to be able to go lower than the level of the ground for it. But the main reason why we have parallettes here is to basically change the micro-loading on the wrists and the arms for movements like uh, planches, like handstands, and like push-ups because people often experience pain in their wrists when they go into wrist extension and load it up. But if you can put that hand into a neutral grip and, and grip onto a parallette, often that same person goes, oh, wow, I can... I can do this now. Yeah, exactly. And you got to think about, um, you know, that like the wrists are often the the thing that does um, slow people down. And you got to think about like in the training context of the full UMS. Like if you're doing a low bar squat, for example, or, or most, um, yeah, especially low bar squat where you're in loaded wrist mm-hmm. um, uh, ex- extension, and then you're doing, I know, some maybe some stretches as well where you're mm-hmm. loading through your hands. And then the next mm-hmm. day you're doing them. Um, Oh, sorry, on Monday you're doing um, vertical push where you've also mm-hmm. got loaded yeah. wrist extension. And, <laughs> and on then Wednesday on Wednesday you're doing planche where yeah. you're doing loaded wrist extension. And Thursday you're doing bench press where you've got loaded wrist extension. Mm-hmm. And then you've got Friday, um, you know, you're probably getting a stretch in there as well that has some kind of loaded wrist extension. So when thinking about training programming, uh, you got to think like, okay, we, we always want to try and give our like stimulus and response. And, and it is often that accumulation of things that you maybe don't realize you're doing at the time, even like the... Um, 
with the warm-ups when people are doing the horizontal running, I kind of recommend sometimes just doing it on your fists, sometimes doing it mm-hmm. <laughs> with yeah. your wrist just to vary it up because it, 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 it is those things that can start accumulating and then you start to do you know, a handstand masterclass on the Saturday and you, it's just so much um, loaded wrist extension. And so this that's the reason why we have the whole pile of parallels out the back so people can um, still do the movement but just changing that micro-loading parameter so you, don't, so you can just give that variability to not overload. Mm-hmm. Yeah, love it. <coughs> well, thanks for that, Phil. I think that was uh, some really useful information. If you've um, listened to this, I can guarantee you that, like, y- you might be sitting here uh, questioning, okay, but how do I deal with this specific injury? Now, the further and further that I go down this road of dealing with injuries, the more that I'm understanding that, again, very general advice here, and I'm not even a physio, so you can't even say that you got physio advice for me. This is, couldn't be more general. But the idea of just, you don't necessarily need to know exactly what it is you need to do. It's about just changing the micro-loading and changing the intensity, the volume, basically the load, and, and seeing what you can do that doesn't make your injuries worse but that allows you to keep training um, and if you approach your training with injuries with that kind of a mentality and also when necessary work with a really good physio then you're going to find that you get to your calisthenics goals far quicker and the journey is far less frustrating because it's not filled with this okay i can train now because i don't have an injury and oh crap i can't train now because i've got a muscle spasm or a minor tear or whatever it is yeah and just what you said there about um training through um pain one of the that's a question that i often get is like oh how do i know if it's okay or not and Sorry, I've still got something in the back of my throat. Uh, the idea of this concept of irritability that I've mentioned a few times, which is basically how quickly does the pain come on, how intense does it get, and how quickly does it go away, um, gives you a sort of sense of if, if something is very irritable, then you really want to back it off and be quite careful with it and do something that's further away from, <laughs> from that sort of movement. So you really want to change out the technique or the load or all those parameters that we've talked about. But if it's like takes quite a long time for the pain to come on, it doesn't get too bad and then it quickly goes away, then it's less irritable and you can have a bit more sort of leeway with it and do things that more resemble what you're trying to do. So that's just to give you a bit of a practical takeaway of this idea of you know training in the presence of injury. If it's something that's really irritable, that's a good sign that you should definitely know what you're dealing with, get it checked out and, yep. and, and work with it there. And if you if you <laughs> want to work, if you want to get a, an online consultation with Phil and Olesh, go to adpt.physio. Couldn't recommend it highly enough. It'll be some of the best money and time that you spend if you're serious about your training and you want to learn to understand yeah, your that's what, injuries. Like what I do with the online physio, it might seem a bit weird for people who you know mm-hmm. associate physio with getting poked and prodded and needles and all that. But basically, I uh, you know we figure out what's exactly what's going on. We look at your program, and this is all the stuff we do is picking different variations of of movements. And then I also have um, a a folder where you can then upload videos of yourself doing it, so I can look exactly how you're doing it and make sure that um, you know those micro loading factors are ticked off um so yeah that's how it works and yeah this i i, I think it's a, a really good topic because it's something that you know rad and i i'm currently dealing with a knee injury and trying to come to terms with how to still do the things i want to do so it's you know it's Brutal, it's it? it's a, a journey and you're always you know learning more so um do just the biggest takeaway is figure out a way to keep training and, and still love your love your movement practice yeah. Perfect, guys. Thanks so much for tuning in, and we will 
Uh, see you again tomorrow for another great show. And to wrap up the week, everybody in our UMS online coaching program, come and jump into the Facebook group where we're about to go live and give you your specific coaching. Have a great day, everyone. Health is about performance, not just body image. You better be willing to accept what you're going to have to do to get there. We'll start focusing on movement goals, strength goals, flexibility goals. When you nail that skill, it's there forever. The body image goal doesn't get you that far. It's the consistency and frequency that's going to get you there. It's not the intensity. There's no shortcuts to mastery and movement. Destination doesn't change overnight, but your direction will. It's the gym is not the place to beat up the body that you hate. It's the place to build the body that you love. We are the gym that teaches people how to move instead of just exercise because we believe that health is about performance, not just body image.